little confused as to why we'd be raising money for a parking lot, but I don't know. I don't know. I enjoy it. Just kind of go off-roading every time we come to church. <laughs> oh Lord. Hey, there's a uh, we're this is the second week of a of a little mini series that we're doing called the aftermath. Last week we started, um, and it uh, it was it's really it's intentionally following uh, Resurrection Sunday, the Easter we celebrated, and um, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And the question that came to my heart and mind was, what happened next? Like immediately after, uh, and, and what was the result of that? And so the um, so last week, I, I it was it, it was a. Um, just leading up to last week's sermon, the study and the waiting on the Lord, um, and then even just sharing it last week was huge for me. I feel like I was able to look at the resurrection in a way that I haven't personally looked at it in a, in a long time, if ever. Um, and just seeing how um, uh, nobody, n- not one of Jesus' followers, closest friends, not even his 12 or the, or the three, not even Peter, nobody believed that he was actually going to rise from the dead. And it just, I was like, wow. And how Jesus intentionally, for 40 days after he rose, intentionally confronted doubt and unbelief. And I believe it all led up to then what we're going to talk about today. Um, there was, at, at day 40, after the, after the resurrection, um, Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olives. A few weeks ago, I showed you a picture of the Mount of Olives. And in fact, I don't know if you guys were here because I had been to, uh, to Israel recently. Um, I was sitting on top of a, of a camel on the Mount of Olives doing, doing the urban cowboy fist in the air. And uh, so if you guys didn't see that, then you missed out. You missed out that day. But that's where Jesus was. Um, I remember my, my fir- the, as I was driving into Jerusalem, seeing the Mount of Olives in the distance and just thinking, that's, that's where he's coming back. He, he's not coming back to Chicago. He's coming back to, to Jerusalem and specifically the Mount of Olives. And that's where, that's where we kind of left the story last week was day 40. He's on the Mount of Olives and, and now he's, he's ascending into heaven and the disciples are like, no, wait, we just got you back. Wait, 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 right? You can imagine them like, no, no, stay. I, in fact, just a few verses before that, they're like, is this going to be the time now where you're going to restore Israel? Is this going to be the time where we're going to like kick butt and take names, right? Is this, is this it? And Jesus is like, it's not for you to know the time or the hour. And then whoosh, you go, Whoa, wait, wait. And he says, he says, wait here. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem for uh, the gift, for the power. And uh, they didn't know how long they were going to wait. Um, but I want to I talk about that today. And, and, and the title of my, of my message today is called Epicenter. And, and here, here's the thought. It's like, have you ever thought what it would be like to go back to the beginning of, of anything? Like, we, we go back to the beginning for a couple of reasons. Here's the main thought today. Going back to the beginning can show us not only how far we've come, but also how far we're off. You, you, you know that. Here's a, couple, here's, a, here's a couple of things. Have you ever just imagined what it would be like to go back to high school? Yeah. Maybe you're one of those like, man, if I, if I, if I was back in high school, <laughs> you know, uh, I'd be... Uh, 
I'd be a lot stronger. I'd be a lot wiser. Like, like nobody would make fun of me then. And right, you know, you're like, if I was back in high, for me, it was like, if I was back in high school, I would play basketball a whole lot better. Because I was actually, uh, you, you think, oh, he must play basketball. Well, well now, but when I was then, I, I was, I was like a buck 25. Um, you know, I, if I stood sideways in the shower, like I couldn't get wet, you know, just kind of dodge the, you know, I, you know, people would say, you know, if you stand sideways and stick out your tongue, you look like a zipper. And I was like, I was like, oh. so, so when, I, when I was playing basketball in, in high school, I mean, I was like second string, third string, and for some reason, I just couldn't figure out what to do with my body. Like, like, like I was just this kind of, kind of like, like Gumby or, or whatever, and, and my dad would actually um, bribe me. I could get a dollar per rebound. He's like, you're tall. You're supposed to play center. I'll give you a dollar every time you rebound. You know, I probably made four bucks that season. <laughs> but now, going back, I'm like, you know what? I'm a little bit more than a buck 25. I can hold my own. I can post up, right? And I, 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 I can do this, this, little, this nice little hook shot, right? And, but, but back then. So, you know, you go back, and you think, oh, look how far I've come, right? But you also sometimes go back, and you think, oh, look how far I've got off track. You know, maybe you think back at high school and you think that was the time when, when life was simpler. Maybe you think in high school, maybe that was when you were like radically going after God when I was in, when I was in high school. And then somewhere along the, the line, it was like, like friends and family and kids and all this. And now you're like, man, I wish I had the faith I had when I, maybe that was yours. I don't know. But we either go back and we think, oh, look how far I've come. Or we go back and we're like, oh, it kind of veered off. And sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's both. Well, what about your, your, your wedding day? So, any of you, you think back, you go back and you're like, oh, babe, look how far we've come. Any of you look back on your wedding day and you're like, oh, look how far we're off. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there, there's both. It's like, sometimes you think, oh, we were so in love back then. Right? Hopefully you never say that out loud when they, they're sitting next to you. Or, or, man, oh, wow. Look how far we've come. Like, we're, we, we love each other more now. Like, deeper and, and stronger. And we've got through the storms. Like, our love is it's just like, like, we can weather anything. Look how far we've come. Maybe it was like the, the beginning of your career. Do you remember that? Some of you, you're just like, you remember the, the start? You know, your venture, maybe it was like right out of college or maybe, or, or right out of high school, whatever your story was, and you, and you started off and you ventured out and, and, and you look and, and you, maybe, maybe you're, like a dentist remember the 50 year i remember that 50 year uh, anniversary and you're like i can imagine in some some ways you're thinking wow look how far i've come from when i started at bd at 17 years old <laughs> then look how far i've come maybe maybe you look back and you're like oh i had dreams i had aspirations like i was going to do this and go there and be this and oh, look how far i'm off you, are you on the on the same page with me? Uh, uh, I, I mean, I don't I don't, don't want to like beat a dead horse, but but what about your parenting? <laughs> Did you ever like like when your your first child was born and you're like, oh, and you had ideas of how you're going to raise these 
kids, and, and then you, fa- you blink, and they're like graduating. We're getting ready for graduation time. There's a couple in here that are like, you're, you're getting ready, your kids are graduating, and, or maybe that, maybe that was a long time ago, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, some of you, look how far we've come. And others, it's, oh, where did we go wrong? What about like the beginning of our walk with God? You remember when you, you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus for the first time? You remember that? Maybe, maybe some of you, you were like four or five or six, and it was like in a children's church, or you were s- s- with your mom or dad, or maybe you were like 15 or 20 or 30, whatever it was, and, and it, was like, it was like you were booger crying at the altar, or you were sitting in your car, and like a voice appeared. <laughs> a voice appeared. I don't know how that works, but... I don't know, I don't know, what it, maybe it was dramatic, maybe it was more subtle, maybe it was over time, you, you, like, you found that he was Lord of your life, and I don't know what it was, but some of us, we look back on when we gave our heart to the Lord, and we're like, oh, look how far we've come. And I would imagine there's probably at least one or two that would look back on your walk with the Lord when, when it was so passionate and so vibrant and you were in the word and you were telling others about Jesus and everything was, was like fresh and on fire. We use those words like, like in church, right? On fire for God. You're not, you're, and you just think, oh, where did I get off? I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm just, it, it, there could be multiple emotions in the room. I think about us as, as the corporate body, as church as the church of Jesus Christ. Spirit of life church the, or, or the, the body at large worldwide and you think about, and I think about the American church especially because that's where, where we live. Sometimes it's good to go back to the beginning. And I guarantee you when we go back to the beginning when it all started, some of us are going to say, oh, look how far we've come. And I imagine for all of us in here, there's going to be at least something in our heart that says, ah, where did we get off? How far have we gone away from original design? Can we talk about that this morning? Can I just ask, if the Lord challenges you with something in His Word, because I'm not making that stuff, I'm just going to read Bible. If the Lord challenges you with something and you're just like, oh, that's how it was supposed to be. Would you do something for me? Would you just ask the Lord what you're supposed to do about it? I'll I'll be honest. I don't know that I have answers today of what it's supposed to look like, but what I do know is as I see some things, some indicators in Scripture that says, oh, we're supposed to do something about that. It might be individually. It might be corporately. I don't know what it's supposed to be like. But what I do know is I don't... I think when Jesus was ascending into heaven and was, was tell, commissioning his disciples and they were going to wait, I don't know that in Jesus' mind that he thought, hey, 2,000 years from now, church is going to be like a movie theater. And people are going to come like once a week and it's going to be for like an hour and a half and they're going to stare at the backs of people's heads and they're going to judge uh, the church service like they do a movie whether they liked it or not. I, I don't know that that was in his head. We've got, come a long ways from original design. And so I want to just take us, can we go back with me for a second? Are you guys all right with, I'm, I'm not trying to like, like, like hurt our feelings this morning, but, um, but if your feelings are hurt, it's probably a good thing. Acts chapter 1, 
verse 4, and I, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because my feelings were hurt this week as I was <laughs> reading this, and there was a book I was reading as well. It, I didn't realize that it was going like to like coincide with this message, and I listened to this book, and I was like, oh, no, like this is what I'm talking about, and I'm like, like I got saved all over again and baptized in my bathtub. I mean, just like, oh, man, it, it spoke to me, so hopefully if it spoke to me, it'll speak to you. Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says this. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, uh, he, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Now, this was right before the, the day 40. And, and a few verses later, they're on the Mount of Olives. So, so he's telling them, he's telling his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem. And it's significant because they didn't live in Jerusalem at this point. Now, I went back and, I, and just in my study and, and as I'm reading and putting pieces together, um, I'm thinking, when did they go back and live in Galilee again? Because that's where their home was. And, and the, the thing is, is you don't really find that. You, you really find that a the little bit, like over time, like Jerusalem becomes home base for, um, for the disciples. And I don't know if they went back with the U-Haul and got everything from Galilee or, or what, but because I mean, Galilee was, was a good, like, like um, you know, week and a half, trip on foot depending on how fast you were walking or, or riding and, and so I don't know but somehow it, a, a temporary <coughs> location became a permanent location um, for for these guys he says don't leave Jerusalem and they don't really know why they know he's saying you know that there's a gift coming there's power coming but they don't really understand why and they don't know the timing yet Acts 1 starting verse 12 it says this it says then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And, and it, the Sabbath day walk just means a short distance because you could only go a short distance on, on the Sabbath if you were, if you're Jewish. And, and so when you're on the Mount of Olives and you walk to the, to the upper room where they, where they had met, this was kind of the room that they were staying in in Jerusalem. And so it was a Sabbath day walk. It was a short distance from the Mount of Olives. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and you go on, you see all of the names, and, and, and uh, the women uh, were there too, and um, some, you know, some say it was, you know, it could have been their wives, it could have been other women following, but, um, but there was all, everyone together, and watch this, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Now, the cool thing about this, they didn't know when. We look back and we're like, oh, this is only 10 days. This is like a 10-day prayer service. The, the, but the, in their mind, this could have been, the, the, they, were, they were bracing themselves for, it could it be days, could it be weeks, could it be months, whatever it is, we're waiting for it, he told us to wait. Now you, you know this, the difference in thought from last week to this week. Last week, they were afraid, they're in, they're in the upper room, door locked, huddled, quiet, because they're the, the, the Jewish officials, the, are, are, they're after them, like they're, they're going to kill us too. What's changed 40 days later? Now, now the power of the resurrection. Everything Jesus said was true. Like, like even if we have to die for this thing, like, it, we're all in. And, and, and I mean, because our Savior, our, our Master, it, it, He didn't lie to us. It's all true. He rose from the dead, and, and the, He ascends into heaven and says, wait. And so now they're like, okay, we'll do what you said. Before, they're like, I don't know. I don't know if we believe Him. Now, they absolutely believe Him, and they're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting for something. They all joined together constantly in prayer. And it was a group that numbered about 120. And I don't know how many are in this room, probably a little bit less than that. And, uh, but this was, their, this was 
in some ways their church jesus says said talking he was talking to peter but if you were here a few weeks ago and we talked about how jesus said, on this rock i'll build my church he was probably pointing to himself or pointing to the location where they're at and and this is the beginning that the church the ecclesia it was a word it was a greek word that really just meant a a, a gathering i like the definition a a a, a family of governing officials like like it was a community it was like the the it was like the town hall meeting where they got together as a family and they and they made decisions it was it was a it was, that's where the word ecclesia came from it wasn't originally a, a, a you know a christian word or anything it was a greek word this gathering this start the epicenter 120 people gathered in, a, in the upper room praying constantly for 10 days want to want to show you a picture of uh this is where i was in um in jerusalem we walked through this place this is the um traditionally the site they 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 don't know it. again this is one of those places where i say hey um this was likely the site it might have been the site um but i was definitely closer than i was in Kearney, nebraska and so but this is the place this would be the the upper room so we're going go in the next picture and we're so we're in the upper room this is actually not the original building but they believe that it is that is right, built right where it would have been so the, the upper room upper room would have been where they were where not only jesus did the last supper um, it would be where they came and they prayed together waiting but this will also be what we talk about in a few minutes when the acts 2 outpouring of the holy spirit would have happened and um and so we're sitting in here we're just we're gathered and and next picture and uh it's a it's a relatively large room but um obviously they don't know exactly this is this would probably date back to like the crusaders time and things like that next picture and we were all uh, we were all just gathering here in in the upper room um singing about the holy spirit and his power and it was just kind of a just a really cool moment for all of us next and then we went to the top and we were we we're at the top of the building and from the upper room you could see mount of olives right there and and so it was just a this is a cool cool moment we'll just kind of keep it there for for a second and so that's where where we're at and we come to to acts 2 verse 1 and it says when the day of pentecost came now if you've grown up in in this church or in this flavor of church if if, if your background is like pentecostal assembly of god Foursquare, open bible um some branch thereof you're like oh i know what pentecost is that's when the that's when the holy spirit was poured out and it was like a it was like a boom epicenter and we all got like filled with the holy spirit and tongues of fire and there was power right and if, if you're if you're a good like like pentecostal preacher there was power right there was emotion and yeah there's a lot of that that was true but i want to i want to share i want to give some context because um part of reading and understanding bible is that you understand who it was written to why it was written what was going on what was the history why was this so significant we know that this moment was significant for us today because that was that was when it happened that was when the holy spirit was poured out but why was it significant to them we say when when the day of pentecost came they were all together in in one place and um I want to go to I want to go to this map and then come back to the scripture Josh can we look at this map real quick and it's interesting these in just a minute we're going to see that 
the, the result of Holy Spirit coming and all of this is all of these nations were gathered right here to hear Peter preach. And they came from all of these places. Isn't that just, I just want you to see. So right there, I don't know if you can see, like, uh, I took a screenshot here. And so right above where it says Acts 2, if you go straight up, it says Jordan. And then just a hair above that, there's a couple red pins right there that you can't really make out. That would be where Jerusalem is. That'd be where Israel is. And look at all of these, these pins all over the map. People had come, and they came um, three times a year for what they would call a pilgrimage feast. There were seven feasts that the book of Leviticus talked about, and there were three of those seven feasts that were prescribed, ordained by God, that, that you didn't just celebrate on your own back in your own territories, but you actually came to Jerusalem. And so they came from all of these. Isn't it, I just think it's interesting. When we go in, and we talk about this in a few minutes, like, the epicenter of everything God did, it, it immediately would have fanned out. Like, there was, there was thought, there was intentionality in why Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. He was thinking of something bigger. We, we're, they're, they're seeing this in the upper room. Jesus pans out, and he sees this. Isn't that just interesting to you? I think it's interesting to me that, that he was seeing the world. And they were, they were seeing maybe an event that, that affected them. Back to the, to the passage. They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they from the Sea of Galilee, right around there? There's a, they talk different over there. They're from the south, right? Or actually the north. <laughs> like they, they talk different over there. Aren't they all Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We skip to verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and, and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've just had too much wine. And we can all go, ha, ha, ha. They just assumed they were drunk. Now, I, wanted, I want us to, to see this just, just for a second. Now, you, you got to understand, I'm going to camp out here for a minute, and you got to hang with me because there's some important stuff for us to understand. And then we're going to still take communion at the end. You guys want to do that together? This is the first of the month. we got to do it. No, watch. Hang with me. Pentecost comes from the Greek word um, Pentecostus, which means 50. And that word actually comes from the Hebrew word Shavuot, which means weeks. And, and so uh, you're going to get smart real quick. So 50 days from Passover, it was, it was seven weeks, and then the day after the seven weeks would have been, been 50, would have been uh, Pentecost. And that's how they counted it. And guess what? They had been celebrating Pentecost or in the Hebrew mind, they've been celebrating Shavuot for 
for 1,300 years. <laughs> like this had been going on for, this wasn't the first Pentecost. And I think sometimes in our mind in church, we're, we're thinking, oh, Pentecost, that's that. That's that, that's that one day when the Holy, for them, this, would, this had been going on. They were in Jerusalem for Pentecost, for Shavuot. That was why they were there. So the whole city was bustling. This, was, this would have been one of the biggest feasts of the whole year because um, it was the, the best weather. <laughs> and, and so they could all travel, and it was the best weather. No, no one could make an excuse that we couldn't make it because of, of the snow or anything like that. I mean, you guys make that excuse sometimes here, right? You know, they, could, they did the same thing back then. And, and, and so this would have been the, the, like the biggest, like the most, the city was bustling. And they're all there. And so uh, there's two things I want you to understand about Pentecost. Man, this is just really interesting to me. Hopefully it's interesting to you. It was the, it was the feast um, that would celebrate harvest, the, the wheat harvest, and it was a feast that would celebrate the giving of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. They, they, were, they, were, they were celebrating both. They were celebrating the wheat harvest, and they were also celebrating the first time. Now, y- you have to see this with me. They've been celebrating this for 1,300 years, and they're thinking in their mind, all of the Jews. Now, this was a Jewish population. They were, they were all Jews. If there were any Gentiles there, they were Gentiles that had been c- converted to Judaism. They were all Jews there, and they're, they're here, and they're, they are celebrating the wheat harvest, and they're celebrating, they're probably reading Exodus 20, and they're, they're, they're in their groups and they're they're with their children and their families and they're reading Exodus 20 and they're and they're uh, celebrating the harvest and all of this stuff is going on right now. And you imagine they're thinking about when the law came. Now remember this verse here, Exodus 20 verse 18. It says this, it says when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stared at in a distance. Now, if you guys remember back to Exodus, Moses is on, the, on top of the mountain, and he's getting what? The Ten Commandments. And the people are watching. Now, Jewish tradition, it, it, they look back and they see some things here, which may or may not be true, but what we do know about Jewish tradition is the Jews would have at least believed this. They would have at least thought this was true. So everybody there would have been thinking along these lines. Exodus 20. Watch it, watch it in the, um, the Young's literal translation. Watch here. And all the people are seeing the voices and the flame, oops, sorry, and the flames and the sound of the trumpet and the mount smoking and the people see and move and stand off, stand afar off. So this is what's going on. They're, they're sitting there in, in Exodus. They're, they're at the base of the mountain. They're, they're watching this thing and they don't know exactly what to do. In fact, in, in Hebrew, they, they couldn't quite even get the best translation because they didn't know if they were seeing it or hearing it. Am I seeing the, remember a few minutes ago, am I seeing the voices or hearing the voice? I don't know. Like, so are, are they seeing the voices or hearing the voices? In this translation, they were seeing it. What, what, were they, what were they hearing or seeing? It was God's voice giving the commands. And, and there, were, there were lightnings. Now, in the, in the original Hebrew, the word lightnings was, uh, was tongues of fire or flames of fire. And so all these people, 1,300 years later, they know the story. They know the story like the back of their hand. In fact, if you were a Jew back then, you would have memorized. You would have memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Anyone have that memorized yet? Anybody? Anybody close? Even Genesis? Just Genesis. Anybody? No, they, they, they knew this. They knew it. They're sitting there. They're reciting scripture. 
And all of a sudden, you remember the thunderings? You remember the sound? The, it, it would have almost been like a sound of a hurricane. Now, I used to just think that this, it was just the sound. It was just like, the, if something's loud, let's go see it. I, I think it was a little bit more than that. I think it was loud. It was like a sound of a hurricane. Of the, the, my version of the Bible says, says uh, a mighty rushing wind. And I think it was that. But I think all of a sudden they connected the dots. That they were, they were reciting Exodus 20 here in Jerusalem. They were there as their family. And all of a sudden they're, wait a minute, we're reading about this. We're, we're reading about the law being given. And a similar sound that we're reading about is happening just a few blocks away. And so people started started coming they started gathering they started taking their their children and 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 i mean if you're in the old i mean it, it's a pretty large place but people started coming people started what's this sound what's going on if you ever you know you hear when they, when they do the the practice drills for the for those tornado sirens and things i don't know it's, it was it was different than that but it wouldn't stop the sound wouldn't stop and it just kept going and they're finally where is this coming from and they come to out by this place maybe where the upper room is and they're looking and they're hearing this and then what do they see then they see tongues of fire and they're like not only the sound but also the lightnings the 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 flames of fire no way and what is starting to happen here this is what's happening is the law that was given in the old testament that was impossible to keep now the holy spirit comes with fire and enables people to be able to keep it they're looking at this and they're saying this is that and, and you, you see the, the questionings and the wonderings as the, as the story goes on. Come on here. There we go. Some people just say, use paper. Okay. <laughs> All right. Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Now, I want you to see this, this picture here that Josh has. Now, this is right outside the, the southern wall of Jerusalem. And, and uh, we're at the end of our trip, I think I showed you guys this a few weeks ago. At the end of our trip, this is the very last place. And this was like a whole worship event from like three or four Asian countries came together for worship right here. And we couldn't like do the, the tour that we wanted to do because, because they, were, they were taking up space. And so we had all this, as close as we could get to the southern steps was right here. And, but it was a good thing because we just started raising our hands and worshiping all together um, on the southern steps this was likely the upper room was was nearby and likely a crowd would have gathered nearby like this and peter would have would have been preaching to a whole crowd he would he stood up with the 11 raised his voice and addressed the crowd fellow jews and all of you who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what i have to say and he would go on and he talks about joel 2 and he and he talks about um, the you know that this was prophesied the outpouring of the spirit and all of this stuff and and he, and he and he goes on and and he says and everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved and their ears prick up now this crowd they were all just here uh, 50 days before because there was another pilgrimage feast called the passover and this crowd was here they were likely part of the same crowd that yelled crucify him right they they were likely there when when pilate was saying what do you want me to do here's barabbas and here's jesus and what did they yell crucify him this is probably that same crowd 
And they're, they're standing here now, Holy Spirit, the sound and, and the tongues of fire, and they're outside, and Peter stands up among them, and he starts to preach. And he preaches repentance. And he gets through the end of his sermon talking about everything that, that Jesus had to go through. And, and it was you who crucified him. It was you. And he's, he's like, he, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull punches. He's kind of like my friend Keith. And, and he just, just went for it. Just went for it. This was Peter. You got the Peter personality. That's all right. Look what happened. The first revival ever, Keith. When the people heard this, Acts 2, verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? After hearing all of this, they recognize that, yeah, we're the ones that said crucify him, and we know the truth now. What are we supposed to do now? What do we do with this information? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And, and with many other words, he warned them. And watch this. He pleaded with them. He pleads with the crowd to turn their heart. He is so passionate about this. He, he's, it's not, he's not angry. He's, he's concerned. His heart is hurting for this whole crowd that, that they're one piece of information away. You know, Jesus didn't come to, to, um, to start Christianity. I think I told you guys that. What, what did he come to do? He came to fulfill Judaism. He came to be the missing piece. Like, like you guys, you, you understand everything except for, ah, it's Jesus. Je you put Jesus in this whole thing and you're golden. And Peter's like, you're close. He pleads with them. He pleads with them. He pleads with them. And what's it say? He says, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. In other words, there were some that didn't. There was a crowd. I believe the crowd was way bigger than 3,000. I, I, I believe there were thousands of people there. They all had come to hear, hear this sound, what's going on, to see the, the flames. And he pleads with him, and he pleads with him. And the Bible says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I think this is just really interesting what happens. Normally we stop right about here. And I talked about, do you remember at the beginning, sometime, we, we, we've been going for a while, so you might forget how I started. Go back to the beginning. Sometimes we go back to the beginning and, and we realize how far we've come. And sometimes we go back to the beginning and we think, oh, look how far we're off. This is usually where we, where we stop. And this is a huge part of it. This was the power and the word, right? How many know if you've got the word with no power, uh, you're off. And, you've got, the, uh, and you, you've got the power with no word, well, you're off. And you, it's two sides of the same coin. You need them both. But sometimes we stop right here. That, that this is it, this is, this is the flavor of church that we have, is we're Pentecostals. And I went back, and I just kept reading, and I just thought, you know what? This first revival, the beginning of the church, what else? What else happened? And you look at verse 42, and it goes on. Watch this. Watch what the, watch what the early church, watch what this crowd did. This crowd, crowd of 3,000 people, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I, I want to stop here for a second. The, 
They devoted. What's devoted mean? What are you devoted to in life? We can start thinking about some things. They they devoted themselves. And and if you're married, are you devoted to your spouse? If if you have a career, are you devoted to your career? I don't know. If you have children, are you devoted to your to your children? If you have a if there's a cause that you believe in, are you devoted to that cause? I I was like, well, what's devoted mean? I looked it up. Interested? Devoted. Very loving or loyal steadfast constant committed dedicated devout characterized by loyalty and devotion they were devoted this crowd i i I, when i when i saw this i realized that it, it wasn't the apostles like dragging them all right listen up we're getting ready we're starting the church right now this is the very first church service you don't hear peter saying that he's not he, he all right listen up everybody this is how we're going to do it. From here on out, here's the structure. You, 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 there's, there's only four things I require. Be devoted to everything I say, because I'm one of the apostles. Fellowship together, break bread, and pray. Here's the structure. We're going to do that. And we're going to do that on this day, this day, and this day. And, and if, if you don't show up, we're going to question a little bit. You know, you, you get a couple free misses. And then we're going to question, are you really following Jesus? You don't, no, no, no. What happens here? They devoted themselves. In, in, in other words, there was so much power and so much conviction of the word that they had to respond to it. And how did they respond? How did the early church respond to it? They responded to this, this newfound faith in Jesus by devoting themselves. <laughs> But by not following a list of rules that was set up by the apostles, it was like, no, the only way I could see my, I'm going to get up here because it, it, it proves it a little bit more, makes you feel just a hair more. The only way that they could see themselves responding to what just happened to them was four things. I can, I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. You remember what Jesus says? Going to, to all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what? To obey everything I've commanded you. I'm going to devote, like, the, only, the, the thing that rose up inside this, this, this church, these new 3,000 people, is I'm going to devote myself to everything they're saying. This is way different than what I grew up with. This is way different than I, this is, this is new. I'm going to devote myself to everything the apostles are, are saying. And then what else? I'm going to devote myself to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. In other words, they were devoting themselves. Any of you like to be by yourself? Me. I'm one of them. Any of you just, you're a little bit more of a homebody than the rest. and takes a little bit to get out in public settings or whatever. Man, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread now you you read that and from from a gentile mind from an american church mind we hear the breaking of bread what do we think of communion the lord's supper breaking bread and 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 drinking the cup like we, we 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 think that if you were if you were a jewish mind a hebrew mind what would you have thought oh we we do this all the time we, we break bread like every time we come together and, and fellowship. Like, like that's the beginning of the, 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 
most of the time, the beginning of the meal was breaking bread and drinking from the cup, and then the rest of the meal happened. And so from a, from a Jewish mind, we're going to devote ourselves to this. From a Gentile mind, oh, they're going to just have communion. Well, so what's the truth? Yeah. Both. Both. Jesus flipped the script at the Last Supper. He took what they did on a regular basis and put meaning to it. He said, he said so anytime you come together and break bread like you normally do and drink from the cup like you normally do would you remember me when you come together as you, in fellowship and eat meals together in relationship when you at the beginning of your meal when you break bread would you remember my body that was broken for you and and when you drink that cup would you remember my blood that was spilt for you we've all these years later turned it into like the last snack instead of the last supper and some churches have those, like those little like lunchables. You went to the Good Friday service? Listen. We we sometimes get so far off just because we just we just don't know. We we read we read scripture and we don't understand context. It, Fellowship was something they were devoted to. The breaking of bread was the context of their fellowship. And every, I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry. And so every time they fellowshiped together and they came together for a meal, which was probably weekly, maybe even more sometimes, they would break bread. They were devoted not to, the, not to just the eating, but they were devoted to the fellowship and and now, and now the breaking of bread had new meaning because Jesus, 50 days earlier, had said, hey, every time you do this, remember me. Oh, and to prayer. This was, this was devotion to prayer. So there was the teaching of the apostles. There was fellowship. There was breaking of bread and to prayer. And I just started thinking, I... I don't know how we emphasize those four. I don't know what the, what the how-to is. But what I do know is we can't read this and ignore it. The, the answer isn't do nothing. Is there one of those four things that you find in your life that you're, that you're far off from where the early church was? Is there, is there one of those four things even that you find, man, it's, it's ah, man, I gotta get better at, at that. Maybe you look back at those four things, the, 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 the start of the early church, and you look back at those four things, and you think, you know what? Um, I know I'm doing pretty good in this, in this area. And so you look back, and, you, and when, you look, when you go back to the beginning, uh, you see how far you've come. But maybe there's one or two or three or four of those four things. And you look back on your experience in church and where you are in your walk with God right now and you say, you know what, those four things that marked them in the beginning, look how far I'm off. What would it look like for you to even take one of those things and say, I'm going to be devoted to it. I'm going to give everything to it. I'm going to lay my life down for fellowship. I'm going I'm to sacrifice my time and my energy for for breaking bread together. Can you imagine, I mean, what would it look like if there was devotion to prayer 
in your life and as a body? What would it look like if there was devotion to the apostles' teaching? And, and I'm not talking about my sermons, by the way. I'm talking about the apostles' teachings. I was, I was thinking... I was thinking this week, uh, Leslie and I were talking. Usually, usually Leslie gets like the, um, like the pre-version of my sermons. And uh, I, I, I'm surprised that she even comes to hear it uh, a second or third time. But like we're talking, and I'm just, I, I'll just like walk by her desk and I'll be like, hey, what do you think about this thought? And she's usually, she usually doesn't, doesn't say, say much. It's just like, you know, you, you need someone to kind of practice it on. So she becomes, remember, remember this week when we were talking and I just said, what would it look like? And I'm going to just throw something out, and, you get, and I, don't, I don't mean we have to agree with this, but I'm just, just for our thinking. What would it look like, Leslie, if we had like 180 people in connect groups and only like 70 people showed up on Sunday morning? I'm like, wait, no, that's not, all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, you start thinking, what would it look like if we didn't have a building and it was just like homes and like maybe like once a month we rented like a, a bigger place so that we could all come together but the rest of the time we were in homes what would it look I don't know you know what it would you know what it would free up it'd free up like we wouldn't be spending all this money on lights and and utilities and all of this other we wouldn't be spending all this money on, on this that and the other. you know what we would be spending our money on probably sending people to the nations <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I'm not even saying we're supposed to change. I don't know. But I am looking back at these four things, and I'm thinking, there's some things that hold us back, like, I don't know, buildings and, and utilities and, and jobs. What, 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 if, what if somebody like quit their job so that they could do a lesser job so that they, they could reach the people God wanted them to reach? <laughs> Missions, yeah. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you get on, on a plane and you fly overseas and, and, and you move. You know, my parents did that. But what, I don't know. What if you live in Kearney and you're supposed to live in Elm Creek because there's people in Elm Creek that need you? I don't know. What if you live in Elm Creek and you're supposed to move to Kearney? I'm just looking at the Elm Creek people right here. All I'm saying here is we're responsible for this information. And I don't know exactly what to do. Like next week, you know, we have a, a board of elders meeting next week. And, and, you know, first thing on the agenda is, hey, I think we should sell our building. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I am saying we're responsible for this information. I am saying that if you're not in the word, devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching, I am saying if you are not fellowshipping with believers on a regular basis, I am saying if we're not breaking bread together as part of that where we're, where we're remembering his body and his blood, I am saying if you're not in prayer personally, but maybe as important corporately, you're not doing what they did in the beginning. What do you think about that? I think that might preach. That very first revival 
was marked by a few things. It was marked by these things. Signs and wonders that drew a crowd. I am never going to underemphasize that. <laughs> I am never going to not talk about the power and presence of the Lord. Am I allowed? Is that good English? Power and presence. Man, if, we, if, we don't, if, if that's not marking us, we, we're, we're, we're way off. It, it was marked by preaching with, with a clear gospel message. I mean, it was, it was fiery preaching, and it was a clear gospel message, and they didn't hold back be, to, for fear of offending somebody. Right? I, mean, I don't want to offend you. I want you to like me. And, and I, I really do. I just care a whole lot more about that you go to heaven and that you're living your life for the Lord than whether or not I offend you. That's the only thing. It was marked by salvations and baptisms. Man, when I'm reading this this week, I'm like pointing fingers at myself and I'm just thinking, man, what do I... I, I, have, to, I have to renew my, my pastoral credentials every year and one of the questions for, for the senior pastor is, hey, so how many salvations? And I'm like, does that include, like, well, Keith Becker goes to our church. <laughs> I feel like I influence you a little bit. I mean, I feel like that counts. Salvation, baptisms. And then it was these four things, devotion to the apostles' teaching. And this is what the, the first revival was like. It, it started off, it was power, word, salvations, baptisms, right? That was the, and then it was, the result was devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. All right, I'm done. Just wanted to hit that one more time. This is what we're going to do. Can, can we do something? Can we, it, it's going to be just a hair awkward, and if you're a guest with us, I apologize, but next week we'll do it normal. So that means you have to come back. If you're a guest, come back next week to see it the normal way. We're going we're gonna to receive communion right now. This is what I'd like you to do. Our, our communion people are getting ready. I'd like you to stand with me. I'm going to make this as easy as possible, as less awkward as possible, but this is the point. When they started communion here, it wasn't just them individually remembering Jesus. It was as a group they were remembering it's important for you to, to examine your heart right now. 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 says that when we get ready to receive communion, that you examine. What's that mean? You just say, Jesus, am I right with you or not? Or, or, am, am I far off or am I close? Where, where's our relationship? And so if you're in here and you're just like, and you're, you're, you're a believer, but, but there's something off with your relationship with Jesus, right now in this moment, this would be where you just say, Jesus, would you forgive me? I confess. In fact, the truth is, John, the Apostle John says that if you confess your sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and do what? Purify you of all unrighteousness. And so with a sincere heart, if you just say, Lord, I confess right now, just under your breath. You don't need to do it so loud that someone next to you hears. If, if you do, that's all right. Just confess right now, just where you're at individually. And if you, if you don't know Jesus, if you say, Pastor Jonathan, if I were to walk out of here and get in my car and get in an accident and, and I would to die today, I don't know for sure if I would go to heaven, this would be that moment. I would actually ask you to maybe when the, when the bread comes and the cup comes, maybe just, just don't take it this time. 
and come up to me or one of our prayer workers or, or somebody in here and just say, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to make sure that, that I'm going to heaven. I'd like to make sure. So you take this moment right now. I'm going to just pause for just a moment. And I want you to just deal with God individually right here before we receive communion. You may bring up a name of someone that you need to forgive. A friend of mine pastors a church in the city, and, and he told me that on Easter Sunday morning, God told him to preach a message on forgiveness, and he was just wrestling with it. I, uh, that's not, but he, he did. He did it anyways. Preached forgiveness. Long story short, there was someone that came, and they forgave their mom for dying. had bottled it up for years and they were struggling with health issues these things that every day they would struggle with these health issues he gets a phone call a couple days later that that person had not experienced those health symptoms for two days the moment he released isn't that crazy I think that's awesome come on yeah 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 okay so this is what we're going to do I'd like you I'd like you to get in the groups, so like like every two rows. I'd like you to just kind of get in the groups. If you need to break up our chairs, you can. If you just want to turn around. And the communion people, they're going to start passing. And I'd like you to just take communion as a group here. In a minute, I'm going to pray over this. But the communion's going to start passing. You guys, you can come. All right, groups. Just start passing, passing out. You're going to take the bread. And as the... As it gets passed, and you're going to dip it into the juice, and, and you're going to take it. And in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. You can go ahead and, and receive this right now. You can dip the bread, and you can eat it as it's passed. Jesus. Lord, we, we thank you for your body that was broken. In fact, you said, as often as you eat it, as often as you eat this bread, as you break this bread, do it to remember me. And Lord, we thank you for this cup that represents your, your blood. As often as you drink this, do it to remember me. moment with you and the Lord and as a group here and as soon as as soon as your group has has eaten the bread and, and drinking the juice maybe set the set the plate aside and I'd like you to if you don't mind I'd like you to hold hands I'd like you to hold hands in a group 